0: hey guys what's up scott back for another episode of the sbl podcast and super stoked that you've decided to join us today now today's podcast we're catching up with an up-and-coming player from here in the uk called matthew reed with a first class honors degree from the guildhall school of music which is an awesome music school over here in the UK. Matthew is becoming a serious player on the jazz scene on both electric and upright bass, and he also received the Alec Dankworth Prize for Big Band Composition and Arranging back in 2016 as well. So Matthew is a seriously talented bassist and, obviously composer and arranger now not content with life as a sideman matthew put together his own trio and i really recommend that you check these guys out because they're fantastic i will make sure that we've got some videos on the show page over on scottsbassessons.com so check it out over there if you uh, head over to the website and obviously um check out matthew's playing because he's really fantastic and matthew was tackling everything from writing and recording to booking tours for that trio so he's really going for it and his latest album, Anecdotes Volume Two, is due out on February 9th. So make sure that you uh, you look for that when it's out. Now, without further ado, I'm going to uh, pass you over to Nick and this week's guest, Matthew Reed. Hey guys, welcome back to
1: another episode of the SBL Podcast. We're catching up with uh, a bass player called Matthew Reed. Who I have to say, Matthew, I've not. Cool. i with much of your stuff before. You're a bit new on my radio, so looking forward to find out what you've got going on. You've got an album coming out 9th of February. Is that right?
2: That is indeed right. Yeah.
1: Tell me about the album. Uh,
2: so it's uh, from my trio, my jazz trio. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all uh, we all met at, uh, at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama on the jazz course, and um, basically we we started playing in a quintet. Um, and and I really enjoyed playing not that I didn't enjoy playing with the other two guys but these two really stood out for me and um I really liked that they reacted really well to uh I suppose more left field forms of inspiration so I don't know um there's one tune on the first record where I say so we play this this theme through three times and I I've given them images to to kind of work with so um the first time, uh, they've got to imagine me walking on my way to school through this park that the tune is named after, and it's like a foggy morning. And then the second time, I'm on my way back home, and I've eaten a load of sugary substances. And then the third time, albeit a few years later, I'm I'm uh, worse for wear after a night out eating a kebab. And I don't, I don't know, I, I've not really played in any bands where that sort of thing is a... Uh, can be used as as a musical direction before, but so that's where where the idea comes from. The album's called Anecdotes, and um, mm-hmm. okay, that's the sort of plan, really. Yeah,
1: that sounds great. So I take it you, you do give the guys some charts and stuff as well, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not all completely. <laughs> no, there's there's um. Usually, I try and keep it. I've set myself a bit of a um. I've set myself the goal of one one page so mm. one page of anything written and then the rest has to come from from kind of inspir like personal inspiration um but yeah there's always a melody and there's not always a melody there's usually a melody and there's always um chords and there's all no there's usually chords <laughs> you know it yeah works, that's- works
1: really well man i was just having a listen
2: a oh, really, cheers! A really nice sound thanks a lot yeah we, we we're really um really conscious about how the record sounds. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of jazz albums that you listen to and people are really like the, the people whose album it is, they're really concerned obviously about the notes they're playing and like, are they cutting the changes? Are they playing this note on that chord? But you know, it's an album you're listening to it. So you want it to sound good as well. So we, we spent a lot of time on that and we usually spend, We's, we both the records we did in five days and the first one we spent a day micing the drums and then actually both of them a day micing the drums, half a day picking guitar amps and then half a day on, on mics for the double bass.
1: Where did you record?
2: So, um, there's a, a studio called studios as in, um, studio O W Z. The guy's called O's. Okay. Um, it's in Haverford, uh, just outside Haverford West in West. West Wales. Um, he's actually just just moved. Well, in the process of moving to a chapel, which we're all very excited about. But, um, he's great. He's he's really interested in in um, drum recording and using minimal microphones, but getting a, a really a kind of huge sound. So that's that's the thing we like. I, I was speaking to another drummer who recorded there recently, and he said he turned up with a kit, all his cymbals, and he didn't even get his sticks out of the car because. <laughs> Because everything sounded great already.
1: Did the, this guy have like quite a big part in the direction of the recording?
2: Yeah, Arine, uh, We like to kind of think of him as the fourth member of right. the band. Um, yeah, he's he, he. I suppose we book him as a as a recording engineer, but he also ha- takes quite a kind of producery role in in it all. And I think we all like the fact that he's not a jazz musician. So we can play a take and with our jazz hats on, we go, yeah, man, that was killing. And he goes, no, 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 <laughs> you've got another one in you and it's going to sound a lot better, you know? Right. And, and so we, he helps us to put the vibe really highly on, um, on like how important it is for the, for the record.
1: How do you keep tabs on, on what you're playing? Cause Particularly with jazz, I find that when, um, you know, it's quite, a, a, it evolves all the time, right? The music you're playing, there's quite a a progressive element to it. But at some point, you want to capture it as it is there and then. Yeah. What point do you kind of draw a line under it and say that this is it?
2: Well, I think um, we had a little bit of a, I wouldn't say argument, because that's quite strong. But we had a kind of a, a bit of a clash on the first album. Oh, sorry. What is happening? My phone's been weird. Uh, Yeah, we had a bit of a a clash on the first album um, with the guys said, we don't want to release this one track because we don't feel it's there yet. And um, I actually put my foot down and I said, no, we we need to put this out there because at the end of the day, this album was recorded on these dates and it's kind of just a... Um, you know it's just a kind of a catalogue of where we where we were on I suppose December the 5th 2015 or something like that mm-hmm. you know and and it's the same with the second record it's kind of this is a statement of where we are where we were and I'm not looking I don't think any of us are looking to make a kind of perfect artistic statement um, so in terms of Having a definitive arrangement, I, I'm, I suppose we don't, which is quite nice. I like that. Um, there's there's arrangements from the time, but not not so much arrangements for all time, right? Yeah.
1: And how important are the guys that are in the in the trio with
2: you? They're they're extremely important. Um, we've done we did one we've done one gig with uh, a different drummer because there was a bit of a mix up and. Uh, that, administrating with yeah, with the administration. But um, other than that, I'm I don't want to take that band out and play with other people because at the end of the day, we we. So when we started out, we used to we'd rehearse twice a week, and we rehearsed twice a week for a year, and that's that was five hours a week for however many weeks there are Mm -hmm. in a year. And and there's there's a connection there that you that you can't no matter how much you try or how great the people you play with it, there's a connection there that doesn't, you don't get with, with someone who's like reading the chart or, you know, just turned up for, for one gig in a rehearsal, you know? And, and I think not only does each person individually play better, but we kind of, we all lift each other past that so that the, not only is, the whole greater than the sum of the parts but you know it's a lot greater than the sum of the parts because there's a trust between musicians and um yeah i that's that's what i've always always aimed for especially as a rhythm section player i think that's really important um to us
1: yeah and how hard is it to keep the guys not interested but together I mean, um, at, the of, at the end of the day, they, I know everyone has other bands and other projects yeah. in and out, and you've got to pay the bills and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, What's the biggest it,
1: challenge about, you know, just keeping this going?
2: The biggest challenge is um, we we really want to be one of those bands that plays as many gigs as is humanly possible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's not that many jazz gigs going around, and you can't play the same night once a week, you know, because... I mean, a, we don't have enough material for that, and B, no one's going to come and watch after three weeks, are they? Um, but yeah, I think just maintaining a kind of a consistent output is, especially in in like the UK, I, I think that's quite difficult. But in terms of the guys being up for it, they're like, yeah, they're, I, I couldn't ask for better, better bandmates, really. Even though it is my name on the on the band, we're all kind of. we all have controlling stakes in what happens and the music we play and how we play it. So yeah, everyone is able to have, have the interest still.
1: Do you find it quite easy to lead the band from the base?
2: Um, yeah, I suppose it's all, it's, it's quite, quite a lot to do with the rehearsals. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say on gigs I lead at all. Um, okay. I think we, that we all have moments where we take the reins and all moments where we step back and let someone else be in control. But, um, yeah, I think it comes down to rehearsal technique. Um, and I suppose it, as most of them are my compositions, I kind of know what I want at the beginning and then it can go from there. But, um, apparently there's a, there's a Miles Davis quote that, um, where he said, either either you get it on the first take or you get it on the seventieth take, and I'm not doing seventy takes <laughs> <laughs> you know um, yeah and i i kind of li- i like to think that <laughs> if we've got all of the material down like if you play the you play the melody like as it as it's as it as you want it to be played, and you play the harmony right then whatever happens is great, and i'm um, i what really excites me about music is hearing people come together and bring their own things to it. So I, I, I kind of don't really want to lead. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, it's, it's more about everyone bringing their thing to the music.
1: Yeah, I think you get a real strong idea of that when you listen to it as well. I'm you glad that comes def- across. Yeah, it really does. It's real, a real group effort. But, um, yeah, brilliant. A lot of people ask, I know Scott gets asked this a lot, how to practice properly or how to get the most out of your practice time. Sure. Is that? I guess it's a similar thing with rehearsal time. Then, how to make sure uh, that that time is used? Yeah. Use use well. Well. Um, Rather than I just turning to, up and having a jam, you know.
2: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I I I've always got at least with rehearsals, I've always got a plan of what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the rehearsal, and I I make sure that we kind of go through a set amount of things, and that's that's quite planned before we get there. Um and uh, yeah, so I, it, it, that's really structured in, in an attempt to make the rest of things like able to be less structured. Um, but then in terms of practice, um, I find a lot of my practice, well, all of my practice, I just do kind of technical exercises. So scales, um, shifting, uh, intonation and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then a lot of where I, Get my inspiration from. I, I try and listen to as wide a variety of music as possible. Um, and quite like the same thing a lot of times. And I try and draw from that, um, kind of orally. And then I, su- the, then I like to think that the things that I take on will come out in my own voice instead of, because obviously, uh, quite a large thing for, for um, people learning jazz is learning kind of exact transcriptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I mean, I've done a lot of that, but, um, I, I've got to a stage where I kind of, I want to have my own interpretation coming out instead of, I know this is what, I don't know. I, I know this is what Larry Grenadier would play on, on a D minor, you mm-hmm. know, but I want to go, Oh, I heard Larry Grenadier play something like this on this track. And, uh, this is my take on it, you know?
1: Do you think it's important to be able to have that kind of recognition where you can, you can identify the bass player necessarily by their tone, but by what they, how they would approach a a chord or a line.
2: I think that that's, I do think that that's important. And obviously jazz is such a, it draws so much from the past and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a a music where the, you know, an, an appreciation of the history of it is, is so important. Um I mean I wouldn't necessarily say that you have to go for each line like, oh that's uh, a Paul Chambers line of <laughs> of this record and oh I nick this from from Ron Carter, you know. But um But yeah, I definitely think that appreciating the the lineage and um just be I suppose just being aware of where you get your influence from is really important. So I I spent a lot of time checking out Larry Grenadier and um and then I, I haven't listened to well up until like last month I hadn't listened consciously to anything he was on for quite a while and then I I've I kind of put on some I felt I was lacking inspiration so I put on I knew that I'd get something from Larry Grenadier and I put him on and you know it's great what a legend yeah fantastic player <laughs> yeah man
1: do you play um electric bass as well? Basically I do, yes. Yeah. Which came yeah. first?
2: Um it was the electric bass by maybe 10 years. Right. Um yeah, I started I started playing electric and then um I just found I just couldn't and I still to this day can't really make it swing, you know, it's not got that percussiveness mm-hmm. that you get from the double bass, the kind of physicality of the instrument I find That's makes true. it easier to to, you know to get the, the groove that you want on certain things
1: so you're always playing jazz
2: no no, no i i um yeah I, I i play in a few like um uh, singers bands and like uh, okay. original rock projects and then um i'm currently working on a kind of Jay dilla um mixtape with a producer friend of mine and so uh, yeah, I, I suppose I don't really like to think of what genre I am playing when I play it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I've always thought, you know, whether you're listening to, I don't know, whether you're listening to Jacko or you're listening to Ron Carter or you're listening to uh, Pino or like any of those great Motown records, the the great bass players serve the music and they do what is necessary to make the music sound great. So, um, I think that's kind of what I aim for really, instead of I'm playing this genre of music. So I need to play this kind of baseline, you know,
0: where do
1: you see yourself going next?
2: Um, I, I'm trying to make quite a conscious effort to move towards just playing original music, whether that's mine or anyone else's, you know, um, that's really where, where my, musical heart lies you know I think just like you need that appreciation of the history of jazz such a big thing about, about about it is that you continue to push forward and I would say I'm to completely contradict myself I would say I'm mainly a jazz musician <laughs> um, but, but then that's because the majority of the music I listen to you would find in the jazz category you know but yeah I'm so the trio we're doing quite a sizable tour um and and I really want to kind of make that almost a, a statement mm-hmm. for myself maybe not even not even to go to everyone oh we did this many gigs and you know we played in all these places but just to go to myself this is what you want to do and this is how you go about doing it and Yeah
1: how do you find the the promotion that kind of thing. Oh, I it's, mean, once the music's been recorded and the tour's lined yeah. up, I think that's when the work really starts in a way.
2: Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, you're completely right. Um, I, it's it's hard, man. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Um, especially I don't know going through that kind of culture of music college and um, hanging out with a lot of a lot of musicians there's so, you know, it's, it's hard not to be humbled by the quality of music out there. And then when you, I've spent, I don't know, 23 years kind of looking at people and going, Oh my God, they're so good. Um, I need, I need to get there. I need to do this. And then you come to the promotion of it and you've got to hold your head high and Mm -hmm. go, this is what I do. And this is how I do it. And I'm proud of how I do it. And it's been quite a learning curve, you know, to do that. And, and then also, just constantly doing it the the tour booking the tour i started probably a year ago wow really and i just got a date in this morning <laughs> you know it's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it's um i wouldn't call it a necessary evil because i don't see it as being evil but um it's it's an it's a necessary expenditure of time and i think as long as you keep grafting then it's going to it comes up think when you send one email out and then get disheartened that no one replies to you that's that's where you where it fails you've got to continue pushing on you know?
1: yeah so the new album anecdotes volume two this one right yes volume two yes out on the 9th of february yes well, where can we get it where can people go
2: uh so it's going to be it's going to be on uh like streaming services and downloads mm. um I imagine you'll probably be able to buy it on Amazon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then I don't know shops off the top of my head if I'm completely honest, but um, the best place to come and buy the album is come to one of the gigs because um, mm-hmm. it's like all all jazz. There's the album and then there's the the live show and there's so much sure. more to it. Um, so, yeah, come and say hi. come to the Come to the gig and we'll be selling them there.
1: If anyone can't make the gig, go check out Matt's website, MatthewReedBase.co.uk. Right, that's the one. Yeah. Do not go to Bassmaster, <laughs> no. which I <I've> just done. <laughs>
2: yeah. Although maybe I should learn more about fish, man. <laughs> I feel like there's something we could do there. Me and the other Matthew Reed.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man, Thanks a lot for hanging out today, man. Um, best of luck. luck with the tour. Good luck with the album. Go thanks check a lot, out it, guys. It's really, really worth a listen. Great to chat,
0: um, man.
2: Cheers. Likewise.
0: Okay, guys. Just want to say a massive thanks for listening to today's podcast. And uh, definitely check out Matthew. Um, I-, I can't say enough about his playing. He's really, he's he's just, <laughs> just a really fantastic and musical bass player. And as I said in the intro for this podcast, I'll make sure that there's a few videos for you to check him out. Um, on the on the show page over on com. Now I'm actually heading to New York today to embark on a humongous um, project filming over there It's going to be a ton of fun We've got an amazing host of bass players um, joining us over in New York and we're filming some amazing courses for the Academy So if you are an Academy member, make sure that you were. Uh, Uh, Look out for what's coming next. I'm going to be updating people on YouTube. I'll be updating you on here on the podcast and just keeping you up to date with everything that's going on. But 2018 is just going to be a... Pillar year for scots bass lessons we're really going to do some fantastic stuff and um and again just keep pushing the boundaries of what bass education online can be and with that said if you are not a member of scotsbassessons.com make sure you go over to the website and grab the 14 day free trial because we are the ultimate online bass school and um, we've got some of the best bass educators teaching for us we've got the largest online library of bass educational um courses all in one place we do weekly live stream seminars with some of the best bass educators in the world straight into the living rooms or bedrooms or wherever our students are hanging out and they can you know they can interact with these bass educators and myself on a weekly basis in real time so it's really a new a completely new opportunity for bass players such as yourselves to uh, you know give yourself th- that that you know that leg up is that what they call it get a leg up kind of i don't know what they call it but just you know a a really great helping hand to finally get your bass playing to the next level and hopefully we will be the ones that will help you do so in 2018 so other than that guys take it easy and i'll see you in the shed